Hi, we're Lisa and Angie. Welcome to another episode of Pep Talks and Prosecco. If you like what you see and hear, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends and family. We are all about building community. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Lise. Happy Sunday to you, my friend. Cheers. Great to see you. Happy Sunday. Oh, man, that Prosecco is good, good, good. It's so good. Okay, let's just cut right to it, okay? I know that everyone in our community is probably just as excited as we are for today's episode of Pep Talks and Prosecco, where we have sat down with the one and only Dr. Jody Carrington. Like, pinch me, I think I'm dreaming. It's crazy. So over the past 15 years, Dr. Jody Carrington has worked with some of the most vulnerable souls on the planet. She is a child psychologist by trade, but she doesn't actually treat children because she believes the answers lie in the adults who hold them. Before she started her own practice and speaking engagements across Canada, she worked at the Alberta Children's Hospital. Uh, she has a Bachelor of Arts with the University of Alberta. She's worked with the RCMP, and she actually received her master's and PhD from the University of Regina. Go Cougars! And then, of course, she completed her residency in Nova Scotia. Her first book, which we've both read, Kids These Days, a game plan for reconnecting with those we teach, lead, and love, has sold over 150,000 copies and is now an Amazon bestseller. I am just so thrilled, as I know you are, Andy, to have Dr. Jody Carrington on Pep Talks and Prosecco. So let's just get right to it. It is such a great interview. Cheers. Cheers. Well, welcome Jody freaking Carrington, Dr. Jody freaking Carrington to Pep Talks and Prosecco. We know you're going to join us in a cheers, my friend. Cheers. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Okay. Hey, you all just need to humor me for one second because I'm having a bit of a fangirl moment. <laughs> Jody. You, met, you, you don't know that you showed up as a wing woman for me. I'll speak about myself personally first, just a little over a year ago. And I know the date was March 20th, 2020, because it was the day that we were packing up our offices at our school division and heading home, work from home. And a very respected colleague of mine walked into my office and said, um, have you read this book, Kids These Days? I think you should take it home. And if you have any downtime during the lockdown, read it. I know you'll love it. So I took it home. But um, of course, this isn't going to come to it as a surprise to anyone. We had no downtime during those first few months in the lockdown. We basically rebuilt the face of education in eight days. Um, so I didn't get a chance to read the book then. But you started showing up for me in other ways. I started hearing friends and colleagues mention your name. 
Have you read Dr. Jody Carrington's book? Have you seen her on Facebook? And then you started showing up in my Facebook feed and your morning lives. And we, I had some staff who said, can we get Dr. Jody Carrington's course as part of our PD while we're working from home? And so we did that. And I started saying to Angie, have you, have you heard of Dr. Jody Carrington? Did your school division buy the course? We sure so, did. <laughs> yes, you did. It was so awesome. And so um, I didn't get a chance to read Kids These Days until this fall. I actually downloaded it on Audible. And I think Angie did the same thing. I know she did the same thing because we started talking about how affirming it was for us mm -hmm. and how you put into words and you articulate it in a very relatable way, um, you know, things that we know as educators and as parents, but also as humans who are a part of a community. And so I'm just, I'm so honored to have you here, not only do we love kids these days and your Facebook live, but we've learned that you got your master's degree and PhD at the University of Regina, baby. Woohoo! Both Angie and I received our master's degrees. No way! True story. We love wine, which we know is true about you as well. Same. And, yeah. and the most important thing of all is that you are a Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan. And so, yeah! so Jody, thank you so much for joining us. I'm just, I'm so honored. We are so excited to have you here on Pep Talks and Prosecco. Thank you so much for having me. I love, you know, in our little intro right before we started, I was like, oh, this is going to be the funnest hour of my day. So I'm so excited. I can't wait to, to talk all the things. Oh, we are going to talk all the things and it is going to be the funnest hour of your day. But, <laughs> but here's the thing. We're, we're going to kind of like call you out a little bit because we were watching your live this morning, Jody, and you're talking about all the Easter, all the Easter eggs, all the chocolates and, and all that. And, and you told everyone that you were just drinking water today. And, and I was and like, uh-uh, no, oh, a, she'll be sipping for a second with us. I, I know. And I, like, I really, I will have to mitigate that tomorrow morning on live. I will fully confess that I didn't even make it six hours. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Honesty. I love it. We love it so much. Jody. um, we're going to get the party started here. First thing I want to say to you, though, is thank you for being my freaking inner monologue in the workplace. Because mm. there are things that I just can't say, um, but they're going on in my headspace. And so uh, I just pull a Jody. And I just oh. like, close my eyes for a couple seconds and I lower my shoulders and it's all good. And I take one foot in front of the other and, and keep moving on. So thank you for doing that. So Lisa and I are pretty familiar with your work. And, um, but we really think it's important. We know a lot of our community. They're going to hear your name. They're going to be like, oh, I'm best friends with Jody. I hang out with her every single morning. Oh. But we're going to have some community members, Jody, that maybe you don't know a whole lot about you. So we're wondering if you just take a little bit of time now and talk us through your journey. Like, how did you become a, a wing woman, a game changer, a speaker, um, and a Canadian best-selling author of Kids These Days? Oh my gosh, I'd love to. It, it's so great that you asked that question because it's, this is such a pivotal point in my career as well. So I'm going to talk out some things today that I haven't even really put into words yet. So I'll tell you where we're going to go and where we've been. But 
uh, I grew up in a small town in, in Alberta called Viking, and it was actually a teacher that changed my life. So I, um, and, and I think we all have these people along the way. It's like whether we sort of notice and think about them, but uh, Mrs. Nordstrom was like our counselor and it's a K to 12 school is still in biking today. And in grade 10, one of the most popular kids in our class was killed. And but there was only 22 of us, you understand? So we knew each other very, very well. And I remember where Holly was standing when she told us about Neil. I remember what she was wearing. I remember all those things, but I don't have a single clue about what she taught me. Like no understanding of any literacy or numeracy. I just remember thinking in that moment, like this is what we do, this is what we're here for. Even at 16, like, to make people feel the way that she made us feel in this process is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So uh, that started this journey of, a, like I knew in grade 10 that I was gonna get a PhD. Um, I didn't really even know what that meant, but um, I, I started doing, I wanted to be a sports psychologist and then I did two years with the RCMP um, as a civilian member, just as a student, um, and learned a, a shit ton about trauma and how it can fuck up organizations if you don't, you know, look after the people, not necessarily the people you're serving. So again, as you know, like when you gather pieces along the way in your story, it's building to something greater in this process. And so I had no idea that I would return to police work at some point, but um, I got my master's, my PhD in Regina. I actually applied to get into the RCMP because I thought I really wanted to do police psychology and there was a hiring th freeze uh, in the RCP think fuck because I can't imagine if I would have actually got the gun like it wouldn't have been <laughs> I don't take I don't take direction well so I can't imagine that would have went exceptionally well so so I, I had this real love of figuring out trauma and relationship. And so I looked a lot at police marriages. And then when I did my residency in Nova Scotia, they said, you have to do a rotation with kids. And I was like, I don't even like kids. Like, stop fucking trying. Anyway, but they're like, we think you, you're kind of like a kid. We think you'd be a good fit. So I ended up um, doing an extra year, just doing um, a lot of sort of stuff around child and adolescent psychiatry. And I came back to Alberta basically to find a husband. But um, because I still hadn't had one of those. It's really funny because in small town, Alberta, you know, it was like, oh, you're a doctor now, but like, do you got a husband? <laughs> okay, so clearly I need one of them. So I started at the Alberta Children's Hospital, which is sort of like, it's sort of like starting your very first teaching job in the most unbelievable most horrific circumstances with no funding, no resources. And this was, I mean, there was funding and resources, but this, the, the cases were not for a green psychologist. And they, those babies, those families taught me more in those first five years than I can ever remember. I didn't sleep a lot, I cried a lot. And I started to understand really this idea about relationship and connection, which really sort of trumped and anything I learned in 13 years of grad school, which is all about behavior. And it was all about modifying behavior and reinforcing the good stuff and punishing the bad stuff. That's how you sh switch things. And so I started to learn so much from these kids and families. I did meet a husband who is uh, a farmer and he's fine. And um, I know he's amazing. He's got a PhD in how to feed cows, which I can't imagine is really that difficult. But anyways, it's fine. So nice guy. He says we should get married. So we get that done. And then I, we have our first son and I have never in the history, I'm a, at this point, I'm a child psychologist. Aaron's got a PhD in how to feed cows. So we had six degrees between us, which you think would be helpful. And the second they gave us that baby, we were both like, holy fuck, we are so much better at everything else other than parenting. And so I hated it. I like, I, I knew I wanted to be a mom for such a long time. In fact, like I was the best babysitter. Um, I decided not to marry like a love of my life in, in university because he didn't want kids. And I was like, so clear on this journey that I wanted to be a mom. And then they fucking gave me one. And I was like, 
I am so much better with other people's children. I don't like the fact that now this is my, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I went back to work real quick and then Jesus decided that we were so good with the first one. He gave us two on the same day. Wow. So at 38, I had twins growing in my very personal uterus. And uh, when Olivia and Evan arrived, I, again, the incompetency factor just exploded. And so did like a near psychotic break. And so my farmer husband likes to fix things. I don't know if you're familiar with this, Lisa, but he, mm -hmm. he likes mm -hmm. to fix his wife as well. So he said, I know what'll help you. Let's move you closer to my mother. <laughs> so, bam, I wake up in Olds, Alberta, Canada. Okay, so this is where we live now. This is where I'm speaking to you today, in between Calgary and Edmonton, in this beautiful farming community where I know nobody, I have no history, and I have three kids under two, and my mother-in-law, we actually are living in my mother-in-law's house, okay? Mm -hmm. That's fine, it's fine, it's so good, you know? And so then what happens is, it, it's beautiful because all I really wanted ever was to coach hockey and have a private practice. And so this afforded everything that we'd ever dreamed of. So I opened uh, a little practice when the twins were one and I was coaching hockey and we were doing the things. And then because we're in rural Alberta, there was a lot of school divisions that um, needed consultations and there wasn't a lot of resources. And so I would get a lot of the consultations because at this point I'd been about 10 years at the children's hospital and had seen, I mean, the, the kickers and hitters and the ones that tell you to fuck cough. Those are, I love those babies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they would come to me and say, can you do a consult on this kid? We've never seen a kid like this. Right. And I would say, yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. This is nothing. And so I started to have conversations about attachment and relationship and trauma and how all of those intersect and what that means for the system of education, which is often where the corrective experiences lie. So they said, Hey, that kind of makes sense. Can you speak to our senior leadership teams? I said, yes. So we would have these lunch and learns for I would like bring my own homemade brownies just so like teachers would listen to me. And then they were like, Hey, can you talk to the superintendents? And so that started this journey then of like speaking about relationships and connection and trauma and families and why the toughest kids need the most connection and why they're the hardest to give it to. And so then I wrote a book called Kids These Days. And basically when somebody said to me, can you write a book? I was like, fuck no, thank you very much though, but I'm not interested. I had to Google how to write a book which basically you'll love this story that what popped up first was this writing retreat in Carmel, California. Like if you want to write a book, you should, you, you really need to connect with the book mama herself, Linda Siebertson. It was a sponsored ad. You fly to Carmel for five days. You're in this beautiful place and it's 10,000 us. Yeah. Obviously, obviously that's the fucking plan. So I, I decide how I'm going to break this to my farmer husband right? And I say to him, listen, um, I'm going to write a book. And he's like, okay. And I said, and, but here's how I have to do it. I think I have to go to this like retreat. Cause that's what it says. Like when I Googled it, it said, you have to like go to this retreat. And that's like how you do a book fast. And he's like, oh, mm -hmm. and I said, like, so it's like this, it's like 10 down now. And he's like, for fuck's sake, Jody, you always have a champagne taste on a Kool-Aid budget. We have th like, no, 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 no. So I was mad. I went in the bathroom. I was like, you kill my dreams. And I like locked the door and I was like, he doesn't understand. And then he texted me right away. And I thought, mm -hmm, he's breaking. And you know what he texted me? Free writing retreats in the greater Calgary area. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. But anyways, it took me two months, but we figured out how we were going to make this happen. This I did 
I fucking did go to Carmel, met the most amazing women and kids these days was born. And, uh, it was really about, I mean, as it always is the connections you make along the way that really made kids these days, I think, um, the message that needed to, it needed to be. And, um, yeah, we sold over, over 150,000 copies and, um, it started a, a speaking, um, platform for me um, that has just really grown exponentially over the last little bit to the point where I wrote a second book called Teachers These Days, which is launched this August with a phenomenal educator, Lori McIntosh. And in terms of now what's next, I mean, we, we started to develop the social media platform, a speaking platform. We do events, uh, four events a year. We have a merch line. Like, I don't even know what's fucking happening. Um, I'm going on tour with Caitlin Bristow. I'm having conversations with like Liz Gilbert, like what? And it's like fortune Feimster, who is like this badass comedian fucking Jillian Harris, like all the things that it just really, I'm just so grateful for. And we've really decided that our big focus is to really reconnect a disconnected world. And one of my biggest gurus in this process is, is Brene Brown. I think a lot of white women fuck this up um, significantly. I think they get platforms without an understanding about the responsibility that comes with being a leader of women and being able to be not only diverse in your message, but inclusive. And I think that comes with a massive responsibility that um, it's taking our, our team a long time to sort of grow, but I feel like we're really on this cusp of um, really talking about the importance of reconnection, particularly post-COVID. And, you know, we see divorces going through the roof and child maltreatment numbers going through the roof and our educators having to hold it all. And we've never looked after them well enough. So I think there's a really, it's a, it's a discussion that I'm so ready to just jump into and um, change the world. I got tons of ideas about how that's going to happen. Um, and uh, I have this beautiful little team of uh, six powerful women and now my personal farmer husband who quit his job feeding cows and now runs the fucking numbers. Nice. No, not nice. Okay. It is a divorce <laughs> waiting to happen. And so we have spent the last year figuring out how we're going to stay married, which is also a, a whole other book I'm sure I could write. But it, it is the most beautiful chapter I, I could have ever imagined in my life. And um, I just feel so blessed and I feel like we're just getting started. Wow. There, like, there is so much to unpack and celebrate in that journey. Jody, um, congratulations on over 150,000 copies being sold and I can't wait. I know we, neither of us can wait to get our hands on teachers these days, of course. And just, just thank you. Thank you for showing up for all of us, for um, those people in the front lines. It's not just educators, it's parents, it's those essential workers. Thank you for showing up and being willing to be vulnerable and just being so authentic and saying, you know what, today freaking sucks. And so we're just going to we're going to bask in the suckiness today. And you know what? Tomorrow is a new day. And I just, I just love that about you. So thank you so much for showing up for us every day. You mentioned relationships and connections and trauma quite a bit as you shared your story with us. And, and I've heard you say that you believe that connection is the universal language and that disconnection is actually the biggest challenge that we face in the world today. And that connection, through connection is how we do hard things. And so tell us a little bit about that. Talk, unpack that with us. How, 
you know, how, how does connection uh, help us do hard things? And how do we stay connected, especially right now in this pandemic world where we're so disconnected? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I honestly, I've thought about it a lot. I, I feel like why did this sort of um, message of, you know, disconnection, reconnection become a part of my story? And it's certainly in my bones before I was even born. But it's, it's like, the word reconnection is actually even more important to me than connection, because connection, to be honest with you, is the easy part. Connection is how do we make those superficial relationships at the grocery store? How do we remember to wave at the people we love and do all those things? Reconnection is actually the foundation of those who have the healthiest relationships. How do you get reconnected or back in relationship or connection with the things that you have known to be true before? So your story, your people, your kids, your mom, you, you know, the, the inner child, the, the, whatever the deal is, that's often where the work is, right? It is the reconnection of repair. Um, John Gottman would talk about this. So the, the, one of the most phenomenal marital researchers on the planet talk about is actually not connection. That's the hard part. It is the capacity to repair that makes the difference between people who make it and people who don't. And when you don't have that capacity, it isn't actually about love or connection. It's about your capacity to repair that dictates your future. And so many of us, unfortunately, aren't born, none of us actually are born with empathy or compassion or the ability to repair relationships. Somebody has to show us. And if we've come from, from, you know, for example, multiple generations of abuse, neglect, and trauma, or, you know, not unlike many of our farmer husbands have experienced, men don't have an emotional language to the same degree that women do, generally speaking. And I say that with all due respect, because I have two sons and a daughter, both of whom I want to, all of whom I, I should say, I want to equip with an emotional language. If I give them nothing else, I want them to be able to talk about what it feels like when they are disconnected, when they don't feel like they're enough or they're failing, because it's really the only way home. And I think that, you know, it's often, I have to talk about this Ram Dass quote that I, that I found or found me, you know, when one of my best friends was uh, losing her battle to cancer. Um, it, it's by a guy named Ram Dass and it hangs over my shoulder in my office. And he said this, we are all just here walking each other home. Isn't this something? And we are not, we, we, we can't do any of this alone. But the hardest thing is so interesting. When hard things come, what we tend to do is armor up or disconnect or if somebody doesn't believe or support or condone our actions, our first response is the defensiveness. And it's a primitive one. It really is primitive. If somebody's going to kick you in the teeth, you know, you want to block. The issue is you have to unblock to figure out what's going on. Are we okay? What, what, what's happening, right? And that's where the magic is. It's in the reconnection because we are just walking each other through this process. And in any given moment, you or I or our partners or our babies are playing both of those roles, the walkie and the walker. And I often think about this in grief, right? Even as you sit, you know, um, I, I thought about this, you know, when Rhea passed away, I was holding her daughter. And when, you know, my, our other best friend had her hand on my shoulder. There's two things happening. I'm walking her baby girl. Yeah. And our best friend is walking me. You're the walkie and the walker in all of this process in any given day. And often even those of us with the most traumatic histories have the capacity to be the walkers because everybody wants to know how, what your story is. And in your story lies the, lies the biggest power, right? Not only in your truth, the walking, but you then become the walkie for people who need to hear it. Oh, Jody, Jody, Jody. Oh, it's, it's this whole notion of stepping in 
right? As opposed to backing out. And, uh, and, it's brave. and you've, you've described it's brave. it beautifully. It's so brave. And, and this is the part about why I think, you know, this, this word for us, braver, is really, you know, is, the, is sort of the defines our brand because it is stepping in with your whole heart when you can't predict the outcome. That's sort of Brene Brown's work around, the, you know, the courage and the vulnerability piece. But it's not brave if you know how it's going to end. And so in this season post, uh, you know, we're almost post, you know, COVID, the initial shock of it. Um, we are in the middle of, you know, some hard conversations around racial reckoning that's way overdue. How do we be even braver to take those risks to talk about those hard things? Because we can't predict the outcome. It's easier to stay silent. And it's easier to not have those hard conversations, to let it blow over. I mean, how many of us were raised in that way? Don't rock the boat. Kids should be seen and not heard. Um, it'll just let it pass. Don't create a ruckus. And the issue about that, particularly for women, is we don't then disrupt a system very easily because it doesn't feel right in our bones. And so is there a way to do this that doesn't have to be like, like fucking off the charts. And it's this interesting part in my development or my growth as a leader is really like, that's how I've showed up in my life the whole, my whole life, which too loud, too much, too fat, too big. And people have said that to me all the time. And it's really like, my response has always been just fucking watch me. Mm -hmm. And it's really refining that now, as I get a bit older in terms of you don't actually need to be not in this season for me. Anyways, I think young women still need to be out of control, but I think it's like, in this season for me, it really is that idea of how do you lead with grace? How do you lead with connection? And then when it fucks up, which it will, how are you skilled in the reconnection? Are you skilled in the hard conversations? Are you skilled in that way where you bring it back to the table again and again and again and understand the time where it is necessary to cut or it's necessary to fight harder? Because I think that's, that's, that's the magic, right? But the reconnection is critical because if you just cut all the time, you're fucked. And if you just put up with it forever, you're also fucked. But you don't hey, have to Thank do you for coming to my TED Talk. Look at both of them are like, geez. <laughs> no, but I'm just, I'm sitting there going, this is everything that is foundational and the pillar of the work that, that Lisa and I are doing is there is hard freaking work that needs to be done. But guess what, people? You don't have to do it alone. And, and it's finding yeah. your, your crew, right? And, and our whole season, like for season three, it's all about building your flight crew and being strategic yeah. and intentional about who you surround yourself with. And, and you talk about that um, in a sense with, with bottom hands in your book. And so I'm just wondering if you can share with our community a little bit about, um, you know, what, what, who and, and what are the bottom hands? What does that mean if people haven't read your book? And, mm -hmm. and what is it? Why is it so important to be so damn intentional, intentional about who's sitting at the table with you? Yeah, I love that question. And so Bottom Hands was born out of um, a theory that the circle security guys came up with when they, they took John Bowlby's work around it. He's the father of attachment who talked about the two things that are necessary to help kids develop this idea of emotional regulation. And he said, you need a safe haven and a secure base. And for a long time, people didn't understand his theory because it was really wordy. And these circle security guys, uh, Cooper and Hoffman in particular, came along and said, listen, what he was talking about is think about it like hands in a circle. Bottom hand, that's where they you catch your babies when they fall, when they're hurt. The top hand is when you push them out into the world. Yeah. When you say, no, 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 no. You can do this. You can have to sleep over. Mommy will see you in the morning. No, go into school. I, you got this dude. 
Daddy will be here when you're done at the end of the day. It's that top hand. It's the belief that you're going to do great. The bottom hand is often necessary first before we get to the top hand of things, which is really how people understand attachment to be. It's that catch-all, that is your safe haven, the place where you can land when the shit gets hard. Hmm? And I think that the older we get, and we were really raised in a generation of top handers where it was like, spit on it. Huh? You're good. Boys don't cry. Come on, shoulders back. And I think really we do a disservice to women in this way as well, where we're like, be fucking tough. You don't fucking put up with anything. And I think one of the biggest superpowers we have is really to bottom hand first, which is how do we catch people? How do we name it when you fall? And oftentimes what I think is so critical is surrounding yourself with the people, be very clear and intentional about who your bottom hands are. Who are the people who catch you? Now we often want the cool kids to catch us. We often want to be lauded or loved by certain people in our circles, but I want you to pay close attention to the ones who really get it. Not whether you get invited to the girls weekend or the skiing and nobody invited your families, but fuck it. Who I want you to think about when you've been on the floor with no bra and you've heard the hard conversations, the ones where you didn't know if you would call anybody and they showed up anyways, those are the ones that are your considered your bottom hands. And so Brene Brown talks about this a long time ago, or not a long time ago, but she talked about it as writing, you know, your people on a, on a little tiny one inch by one inch square paper. There's not a lot, which is why I really like this idea of bottom hands. Think of your five, right? And dead or alive. They do not have to be alive. They can be people who, when you just think of them, remind you that you have the power to rise. And so I often talk about my bottom hands as being, you know, my grandfather who has, you know, no, no longer on this planet and uh, my Rhea, who is also no longer on this planet. Um, and there's a woman I met one time at a talk and she became a bottom hand for me. And we barely know, knew each other at the time. She was a mom who people were um, giving me feedback on my style. And I swear quite often when I speak and authentically, so not in terms of offending, but people listen when you, you learn, use certain language. And, um, my, my intention has always been to demand attention, maybe not respect, but I think what I'd have to say is important. And so, um, she, I had, there was a lot of requests for me to be different in this particular conference that I was at. And she came up to me and just said, I need to tell you that, um, you changed my life. And I was like, Oh my goodness, thank you so much. And she said, no, really like I'm a, I'm a school board trustee. I'm here I'm representing the school board, but I, I listened to you first to the grief talk and I needed it. And I said, tell me more. And she said, well, my husband who was a teacher, um, was killed in an accident with our nine month old baby girl. And uh, Maddie was eight months, sorry. And um, my sons and I were also in the vehicle. And she said, I, for the first time since they've been gone, actually heard your message because you swore and you were real and authentic. And I just, can you make me a promise? Can you tell me that you'll never change that? And in that moment, I was like that, you are who I'm speaking to right? This, you are the bottom hand. And if I'm not going to be that person for some people, that's okay. But authentically, my intention is not to harm. It is to be able to have people who need to hear it, hear it. And so, you know, that day on stage, I got up and swore like a fucking you know, lunatic, which I normally do. And then I always apologize later about like, oh, sorry. But it, 
the message is way too important to me to sort of forego that. And so people have asked me that a lot since, can you do this without swearing? And absolutely I can. There, there's been many times where I can read a room a little bit better than, you know, people give me credit for, but it's <laughs> Leanne is one of my bottom hands and, you know, she was at my book launch and, you know, we share Christmas cards and we've connected. Um, and I'm just so grateful to her and her, her husband and her daughter, whose legacy really lives in my heart because every time I speak, um, I put her in the room. And um, it's like, who are those people? They shouldn't be more than five. And they might change over the course of your life. And, you know, I've had a best friend since kindergarten and just the look of her, actually the smell of her, which sounds a bit creepy, but when I hug her, it's the smell of her hair that just grounds me. She never, ever, ever has the right words. She never knows what to say. She doesn't have words. And I often tell her this, it's not about your words. It's like, when I see you, you are home to me. So at any big event, any big thing that we've ever done, Tannis is always in the room. I love that. Yeah. Love so be, yeah. So figure out who catches you. And listen, the key is if you have to put on a bra or makeup, that, that, that that's not one. That's not one. Don't, if you have to impress anybody, that's not one. If, if you just, if you say a prayer to them and you know that you have to, you don't have to preface anything, that's one. If you, you know, if you just feel better by simply being in their presence, that's one. Yeah. And sometimes we feel kind of bad. Like, should it be our partners? Should it be our kids? Fuck no, no. Your bottom hands are the people you typically don't feel competent with your personal children. Okay. So don't get them off the list who, and, and typically our husbands are so, or our partners are so invested in us in being okay, that there's often a lot of suggestions about how we can be better, right? With the best of intentions, hmm? mm -hmm. but who really without question thinks that uh, you are on a mission to change the world or to live into your purpose, then that's your bottom hands. I love it. It's so good. And thank you for being one of our bottom hands, as Angie mentioned, <laughs> channeling that inner Dr. Jody Carrington at work, uh, working with some of our clients. What is our number one strategy? Girlfriend, drop the shoulders. Drop the shoulders. Ah, I love it. Drop the shoulders. So help like every time even when i write a post i'm like right because we forget that's right it's such a good habit such a great habit to implement especially when we start to feel like our shoulders and our ears are connecting but um look at me doing a segue into what i want to talk about next with dr jody carrington um at weatherwell group we talk a lot about habits and building habits in order to, um, you know, level up and live that best life that we all have, you know, a vision for ourselves. And oftentimes when we work with women, they use the B word, mm -hmm. balance. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they're always seeking strategies to implement balance in their life. And so we're curious. What would you say to them, Jody? As women, how do we manage all of the things? And maybe share with us a couple of habits that you've implemented in your life. Okay, so first of all, uh, you don't. So um, you don't balance anything. It's balance is bullshit, I often say. Um, 
because I think what we really put a whole lot of emphasis on is trying to be able to do it all. And with the hope that there'll be no cost to that, that it'll just balance out in the end that, you know, so you'll take from here and gift from there and you'll be whole at the end of it. You won't, you can't, there's not enough of you to be able to do it all. And the people who appear to be doing it all aren't. And, and I think one of the downfalls for us in this social media world, right. Is that if I think about, you know, my mother, my grandmother, right. Like who you compared yourself to was the woman up the road. And it was like, you saw each other on weekends and you could maybe have that, you know, hard conversation because you were just so fucking grateful to talk to somebody. But now we get inundated by, you know, the curated photos that so many of us have time to filter and, um, you know, put the, the highlight reel up. And, you know, even our kids always ask now, like, hey, can I see that picture? And I'm like, so we're creating really this sense um, and this often, you know, social media is also not social. You really get to choose who you want to follow and, and whose message you want to sort of inherit and implement and, and live by. And so it really decreases our, our, our exposure to diversity. It really decreases our exposure to um, what is it really like out there? And so, so much of that I think is the word grace always sits in my in my heart when I think about this, right? If if we if you only knew how many people admire you, if you only knew how many people um, just look at you, the way that you handle things, the way that you set up in this world, the way that you parent, the way that you are connected to um, the people that you love, um, it it would allow us to sink into just how great doing. And I, my wish for most women is that there was a little more, just a little more space for that. Because I think what that allows you to do is put your shoulders back and remember that they're watching our daughters, our sons, our nieces, our nephews, um, our students. Um, they're not listening to what we say. They are so tuned into how we do it. So how do we have the hard conversations with our best friends? How do we make time at nine o'clock at night when we say somebody's coming over for a coffee? How do we say, no, daddy is so good at this. I'm so proud of your dad when normally I want to throw a punch him. And like, how do we, how do we build that in? Because you can't tell kids or the next generation how to do great things. You have to show them. And when we are more disconnected from our kids than we've ever been because of devices and technological advances, which are really wonderful things that we don't want to change, but there needs to be a conscious effort on the showing, not the telling. I love it. So what are some daily habits that Jody Carrington implements? I think that's so lovely. So do you want to hear about the habits that I think I should implement and then like, <laughs> and then, like ideally I should do? Because I will tell you, like I know this from research and I know this when I'm at my best, that if I move my body on a daily basis, if I drink water, those are the two, um, without a doubt, they have the strongest research. They have the strongest, you know, empirical support across the planet. We know that our physical bodies are the vessel to our soul. And when you look after that, it just fucking shows up for you. And it is probably the thing that goes the most for me when I feel like I have a project due or I need, you know, I'm responsible for this, uh, you know, for a message to our community, or I want to, you know, show up for my kids or anybody else, or I just want to fucking sleep in. I forget that that is the most important part on the planet. So when I'm in, at my best, yeah. I have not consumed 87 pounds of mini eggs <laughs> and 14 bottles of wine because Jesus is risen. And I was celebrating that. And because I don't know when this is going to air, but this is Easter Tuesday, just so mm -hmm. we know. 
talking about this. Okay. So um, anyway, so I, I think that when I move my body and drink my water, man, I'm unstoppable. And I think the thing that has become really a part of my life right now is, is this idea of gratitude and reflection. I'm stepping into a season where the responsibility feels super heavy in terms of the platform and the, the, the business that we're growing, the platform they're growing. And so I am more and more aware every single day of how critically important spirituality becomes to this practice of being present in in, in this whole universe and in, in this whole sort of human experience. And so anyway, it's, I think those things, if I say, if I were to say anything that I do on the daily, it would be moments of gratitude. And if I were going to, to be ideal in this space, I would be, um, it would be on a day where I have uh, a moment in the sun to be as spiritually connected to the creator, to my God and to run, which is a lope because I'm 45 years old on a fucking Ukrainian chassis and I carry twins on this bitch. So it takes a while. And also uh, I'd be drinking some water and Prosecco has water in it. Absolutely. Cheers to that. I love it. It's like that flavored water. You know what I mean? It's like a bootle. Really. Prosecco flavored water. We'll just call it that. There we go. Jody, here's the deal. Every single person that's either watching or listening to this episode is going to be on the edge of their seat wanting more. And here's what we know. We know that there's just not a teeny, not a tiny, not a minute, but a big freaking event coming up really, really soon called, what is it called again? Something about, what is it? Oh yeah, together, braver. 2021 here we go so we have our tickets lisa and i obviously we have of, of course. but we want to make sure that every single person every single person on on this planet knows what it's about and where they can get some tickets so they can join us for this amazing partner uh party with you and a bunch of the most fun friends we could ever think of like the guest you, list is outrageous i know so we set up this year to have four events um two for teachers one for first responders and one for women or people who identify with the female energy and we decided we were going to host this event together the day before mother's day with the hope that you would gather yourself with your bottom hands your moms the people who sort of have, have been like you know mothering figures in your life and sit with them and enjoy some of the people who I think um, changed my life. And so we made a list of like the top five who I would love to sit at the table with. And we ended up getting the top seven. And I like every time this event starts to unfold, I can't even believe it. And so the idea is just as you guys have discovered, we are braver together indeed. And so how do we bring together some of the voices? Because I think that when you sit with the winners, the conversation is different. It's really this idea of bottom hands, but it's like, you are never going to get good at this. You're never going to arrive at being confident and, um, you know, shame free and really clear on your purpose. You need to be surrounded by people who can remind you of those things on their good days. Yeah. yeah. And so some of those people for me right in this season was, uh, I really have needed some comedians in my back pocket during COVID because a belly laugh is the best release of oxytocin you can imagine. And sometimes the people I'm sitting with, including my own personal husband, aren't that fucking funny. So 
I needed to find people who like, when I just needed to drop my cortisol, increase my oxytocin, I was going to search the internet for that. And so I came up across this woman again and again and again, her name is Fortune Feimster, and she fucking cracks me up. She was just in Yes Day. She's voiced Disney character. She's with David Spade on a Netflix series. Like she is, she just married the most beautiful woman on the planet. They have a dog and she does like this character comedy that just gets me. She plays a character named Brenda who's always in the hot tub yelling at her husband, Tim, and I can't even fucking deal with her. And so many times, even just the look of her and she does these dances with ice cream cones, which just get me every time. And so she was on my list and I was like, can you imagine if I could sit down and talk to Fortune? We got her. And her agent is the most delightful man on the planet. They were like, absolutely. Fortune would love. Can she do a live call in on the day of together? And we were like, oh, yes, Jillian Harris. I did a sit down interview with Jillian Harris. We um, green screened me into her living room. It's fucking crazy. Um, Savvy Simon. I, I'm really so interested in um, indigenous practices and being so much more enlightened in light of my significant racial bias that I just haven't really started to explore nearly enough. And um, Savvy kept coming across the things that I was doing uh, on our feed. And she's the most spiritual, delightful woman. Um, and so she agreed to take the stage with us. Um, Clary Chambers, who does a lot of work, she's on the West Coast of Canada. Uh, she does a lot of work around diversity and inclusion in organizations. And I saw her speak on a stage once and I thought, holy fuck, I got to sit with her. And so she agreed to have conversations. So she's doing a talk. And um, then we were like, how we need the stories of people who've done incredible things because my whole talk is about sharing my story of why reconnections become so important to me. So I had a sister, I have a sister who was adopted at birth that I didn't know about until I was 36 mm -hmm. and she's my full biological sister. And I often, so in together, I'm telling the story about how um, disconnection was in my bones and this whole, whole push for reconnection. When I watched what happened when my sister came back into our lives, when I watched what happened to my mom and my, um, my brother and my father, um, we need to tell that story. So I'm telling that story yet together. And then my mom and my sister and I are together in the happy hour. Oh. And I, mom hasn't even told so much of her story. And so this is either going to be a fucking disaster with a lot of rye and Coke and I'm going to have to whatever. And, or it's going to be amazing. So I just like, and then Chow Louie, who is uh, a first generation Vietnamese immigrant and owner of Paris Jewelers. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, I forgot about Rachel Milky. So Rachel Milky is your Saskatchewan girl. Oh yeah, I know Gilbergers. I know oh, she. Gilbergers, big time. <laughs> I am her biggest fan. We have become super connected over this process, and um, so I just had her on Sunday Night Live, and she's just mm -hmm. such a badass leader, you know. And so anyway, so she's also there, and then um, Cheryl Fogo, who is um, this phenomenal woman. She's like the, the Maya Angelou of Canada. And it was like, it was the hardest ask to, like to say to her when she sit at the table with me that day, because I was so shy about like, am I even worthy to be in her presence? And she was like, yeah, sure. Like, I would love to do that. 
So I don't even know what's happening. Like, it's going to be like this amazing day. And I would love your people to be there because I really think that there's going to be so much in these stories. Um, I can't remember. So if you, if you use the code Jody, you can get 15% off any of the tickets. So just put Jody in the together page. I would love your people to be there because I, um, I just think it's going to be, there's just going to be such an energy that resonates that day. That's critical. It's the day before mother's day. How do we remember that our power as women is to not to be tougher? but to be more connected and you know post covid post all of these things we need to start looking and seeing each other again and so i hope this day will be so vulnerable that it'll just encourage everybody who sort of you know walks with us on that day to just go cast a stone in their community i mean that's mother Teresa's message right just cast a stone we, we cannot we're not good enough to fix this world we're not that powerful you just do it in your own house you just do it in your own communities and that's how we change the world I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Right. I hope that I know that after this, many of our community are going to want to join us. Uh, what a great way to, to hang out, whether it's virtually or who knows, maybe you can have a couple of your bottom hands with you in your backyard while you, while you take it all in. We'll see. But I can't wait. And um, I know that tomorrow, Angie, I think we're going to be doing a little giveaway of a couple of tickets as well. Oh, so yes. We're giving our Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh, along with your book. So uh, watch for that, uh, all our community, uh, on our socials tomorrow, we will be doing a little giveaway. So Dr. freaking Jody Carrington, you know, I can't believe we're here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that um, a year ago, we, we had a little dream and we've turned it into a reality and a highlight for me, I'm not going to speak for Angie, but I think she shares in this when I say is to, to have had the opportunity to sit for an hour and chat with you has just been phenomenal. So thank you so much for doing this. We're hoping maybe you'll uh, do a little thing we call uh, wind things up before we wind things down, weather will style. And full disclosure, because you have mentioned Brene Brown, who we also absolutely love. And we promise you that we did not steal this from Brene Brown and her Unlocking Us podcast. I think we kind of launched at the same time. So we're talking it up as like great minds think alike. But here's the thing, Jody. I think that this is just a warm up for you for when you get to be a guest on Unlocking Us. So are you ready for it? Yes. Okay, so it's 10 questions and in under a minute, Angie's gonna get her trusty little timer ready to go. It's ready, it's ready, I'm ready. I'm going to, I'm gonna try to read the questions fast. So here we go. First question. If you could invite any Rough Rider player and serve them a Ukrainian feast, who would you invite and what would you serve them? Oh my gosh, you guys! I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick one. I'd pick the whole friggin' squad because that's how Ukrainians do it. Ukrainians do it. I want coaching staff. I want the water fellas. I want the wives. I want, we are going to have a nice big party. And what we would have is everything creamy and salty and bacony. And then we would end with a kalameka. Love it. What is your favorite made-up word? Oh, God. Uh, okay, it would be something like very philosophically theological. 
And that would be a, a very big word that I would just put together and then people would say, yeah. Yeah. Well, mine was badgie, just so you know. Okay, number three. What <laughs> advice would you give your teen? <laughs> what advice would you give your teenage self? Oh my goodness. I think about this so often. I would say to my teenage self so much, drop your shoulders. And you are exactly where you need to be if you only knew how powerful you're about to become. Love that. Bucket list destination. Um, anywhere with my family. Love it. What brings you joy? Uh, conversations like this. I, I feel like it's the truth. Um, and I'm just so excited that, you know, when I can speak to people, you know, my husband or my team or people like you who really want to talk about like, can we really do this thing? Can we really impact our corner of the planet, which then can reach around the world. And I just love that when other people believe the same thing, uh, I could do that every, that's the biggest joy of my soul. Mm, I love that. Favorite song? Uh, imagine John Lennon. Pet peeve. Uh, I would say, what was my, my biggest pet peeve? Oh my God, this sounds really bad, but I hate it when my fucking kids fart at the table. <laughs> I hate With that. What is a bad habit that you just can't shake? Um, I would say like, okay, so I, I would say buying, this is not... <laughs> I guess this is a habit. Life-size chocolate bars, putting them in my fridge and thinking that I'm going to have one piece a day for, and it would last me for many, many weeks. I, I cannot break the habit that they don't last a day. That's my baddest. Well then what's a habit you can't live without? Oh, chocolate every day. <laughs> Perfect. Who inspires you? Oh, there's so many people. And I think that it is any, I would say probably any woman, but I would say any human being who has the capacity to tune in to this thing called empathy. That is, that inspires me more than anything on the planet. And when I watch my husband with our kids, when I watch Brene do it on a stage and, you know, lead the world through it, when I watch Shonda Rhimes, you know, step in and take such incredible risks or, Oh, so many of my indigenous leaders, people who have showed me how to be much more vulnerable in the space of racism. I, I just think anybody who has the capacity to be brave enough to be empathic just rocks my socks. Amazing. I'm pretty sure you were over the 60 seconds, but. Oh, oh I had to get them all in 60 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, were, we were, we set a new record. So, I mean, you can, you can, we'll make a little like styrofoam cup trophy for that at three and a half minutes. That is a new record. Congratulations, Dr. Jody Carrington. I love it. Well, that concludes this episode of Pep Talks and Prosecco. We have just had a blast. I could just hang out with you and drink the whole damn bottle of Prosecco with you this afternoon, Jody. but uh, we're going to say farewell. Thank you so much. We are so looking forward to Together Braver and uh, continuing to hang out with you on Facebook and in your next book. We cannot wait, cannot wait to get our hands on that. So Thanks again for hanging out with us this afternoon and cheers. 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 Thanks ladies. All right. O M Jody, Jody, Jody. <laughs> she is sweet and sass and a lot of badass. Like, Oh my goodness. That was so much fun. 
And she educated the crap out of us the whole time as well. And our community, I was just on the edge of my seat waiting for what words of wisdom we're going to pour out of her mouth next. And then she sprinkles in all that humor at the same time. (laughs) She's the ultimate package. She's the ultimate package right there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, but really what it came down to and every single message that she gave to us and to our community um, in this episode, Lisa, was about finding your brave and embracing your brave. And that just came through time and time again. And we are so excited for the event that is coming up right around the corner, you guys, Together Braver 2021. Jody gave us the amazing <laughs> list of people that are going to be joining her uh, front and center on stage virtually to bring everyone around the world together to, to be braver. We can do hard things together. And we shared with you guys that we have our tickets. We've had our tickets for a while, for a long while. But we thought it's really a great opportunity for us to pay it forward. And we were so honored to have Jody be a guest on Pep Talks and Prosecco, for Jody to be one of our wing women, for Jody to have our off-air conversation that took place that I will cherish for the rest of my life. What better way to share all of our excitement but to have a giveaway? So make sure you stay tuned to our socials tomorrow, you guys, because we're going to be giving away some tickets to Together Braver 2021 and also a copy of Kids These Days. So you want to hang out with Jody and you want to see more of Jody and all of her fun, fabulous friends, her bottom hands, then make sure you stay tuned to our socials so you can enter for a chance to win that giveaway. And for now, I'm going to sign things off today by saying, take a step in, lower those shoulders, boom, here we go, and cheers to you, our weather will Hold the freaking presses. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are you guys getting a little bit tired about feeling stuck all the time? Guess what? Lisa and I have been stuck many, many times. So many times. And we found ways to get unstuck. So, Lisa, tell them how we can help them out. Well, we want to be your wing women by offering you a 30-minute free virtual consultation with us. So if that sounds something like you're interested in, head on over to our website, weatherwill.com, and sign up for that consultation today. Cheers! Cheers.